Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Today's story is Beauty and the Beast, as told by Nanny Piggins. Here we go. Have you ever seen the movie of Beauty and the Beast, Nanny Piggins? asked Derek. Why would I go and see the movie? asked Nanny Piggins. It's based on my cousin Belle Piggins. Really? said Samantha. Oh, yes, said Nanny Piggins. She never shuts up about it at family gatherings. She can't believe she never gets paid any royalties when there have been about six film adaptations, several TV series and hundreds of books all about her, and not one of them has ever got the story right. But that's the problem with being incredibly good-looking. You always end up inspiring world-famous tales. It's very hard to avoid. Have there been any world-famous tales about you, Nanny Piggins? asked Michael. Too many for me to keep track of, said Nanny Piggins. That's why I always try to avoid writers. Dreadful people. Never brush their hair properly. So what is the real story of Beauty and the Beast? asked Samantha. Well, they got the first bit right, said Nanny Piggins. Cousin Belle did have a very silly father who stumbled across a mysterious mansion one stormy night where he sought shelter and was taken care of by enchanted home furnishings, as you do. Although I don't know why he couldn't just book a nice hotel or an Airbnb. It seems very presumptuous to burst into a stranger's home and expect the candelabra to serve you dinner. Anyway, that's what he did. He spent the night, and when it was time to go, he did want to take a present back to Belle. A rose, wasn't it, said Samantha. He picked a rose from the garden. No, that's the first mistake the writer made, said Nanny Piggins. Think about it. My cousin Belle and her father were both Pigginses. Flowers are nice enough. But when Belle asked her father to bring back roses, she meant the chocolates. She wanted a box of roses chocolates. Oh, said the children. They knew roses chocolates were one of their nanny's favourites too, although all chocolates were her favourites, and whatever one she had in her hand at that instant was her favourite favourite. So the father swiped the roses, said Nanny Piggins, and the second he did, this horrifying beast leapt out at him. Was it terribly big and hairy, asked Michael. Hey, protested Boris, what's wrong with being big and hairy? Boris was a 700 kilogram Kodiak bear, so this was a sensitive subject for him. Nothing, my dear, said Nanny Piggins. No one could possibly find a bear horrifying. What do all children go to bed with to comfort them? Teddy bears. Everyone knows bears are wonderful, loving creatures, and the bigger the better, because then they can give you bigger hugs. Thank you, Sarah, said Boris, feeling better about himself. The children did not contradict Nanny Piggins and point out that some bears were in fact terrifying man-eating killers because they didn't want to hurt Boris's feelings. No, this beast was far more horrifying than that, said Nanny Piggins. This beast was a librarian, the children gasped. And not the nice kind who helps you find just the book you're looking for, said Nanny Piggins. The terrifying kind who sends you fines in the post and tells you off for talking too loudly. 
The Beast declared that he was going to imprison the father, and because this was a fairy tale and people in fairy tales always seem to negotiate dreadful bargains, the father was allowed to go home, but only if he sent back his daughter to be a hostage in his place. Huh? said the children. I know, it barely makes sense, agreed Nanny Piggins. If the characters in fairy tales would only consult a lawyer before they negotiated these contracts, they would save themselves a lot of bother, and fairy tale books would be much shorter. They'd be incredibly short. They'd just be books with pictures of happy princesses that nothing bad ever happened to. But I digress. So the father arranged to swap himself for his daughter. Worst dad ever, said Michael. Totally, agreed Nanny Piggins. Of course, he never intended to go through with it. He was just planning to run off and never come back once the beast let him go. But when he got home and told Belle all about it, she saw it differently. You see, unlike any other member of the Piggins family, Belle had a conscience. Not about most things, she lied and cheated about all the regular things, but she was a stickler for chocolate. She loved chocolate so much she couldn't bear to be a part of a chocolate-related crime. When she realised that her father had stolen chocolate from this beast, she was honour bound to fulfil the bargain. That sounds nutty, said Derek. Well, she had eaten a particularly delicious block of fruit and nut milk chocolate that afternoon, said Nanny Piggins, so that could well have made her thinking unusually nutty. But anyway, she went. The beast was surprised when there was a ring on the doorbell, said Nanny Piggins. He hadn't expected the daft old fool to fulfil the bargain either. So he was doubly stunned to open the front door and discover the most beautiful creature he had ever seen standing on the doorstep. Her hair was so shiny, her skin was so pink, her snout was so moist. Hello, said Belle. I'm here to be your hostage. Are you going to chain me up in the basement or lock me in the attic? Um, I thought you could just live in the house, said the beast. Oh, said Belle, that's not very romantic, but if you like. I've got magical furniture that will take care of you, said the beast. Oh, la-di-da, said Belle. I don't suppose you could make this all a lot easier, said the beast, and skip past all the conversations with the teapot and the dancing in the ballroom and just fall in love with me right now. Why on earth would I do that, asked Belle. Well, I'm not really a beast, said the beast. I'm a handsome prince, cursed to look like a librarian, as punishment for once being rude to a fairy. Belle shook her head. Sorry, no can do, said Belle. I'm not a monarchist. I think the notion of royalty is just propaganda to justify excessive inherited wealth and undemocratic practices. Oh, said the beast. He was very disappointed. Besides, you've only just met me, said Belle. I know I'm stunningly good-looking. And she wasn't being boastful. She was just stating the truth here. But you really shouldn't make lifelong commitments based on physical appearances. But I've got to make someone fall in love with me by Tuesday, explained the Beast, or I'll be stuck like this forever. Oh dear, said Belle. That's a very time-specific curse. The fairy who cursed me had a new Apple Watch, said the Beast. I think she was showing off how accurate it was. You know, said Belle, if you want a girl to fall in love with you, asking her to fall in love with you doesn't really work. Why not? asked the Beast. Women are complicated, said Belle, especially pigs. You have to win a woman over and make her fall in love with you by being so wonderful she finds you irresistible. Oh, how do I do that? asked the Beast. Can you bake? asked Belle. No, admitted the Beast. I suppose not, said Belle. That's the problem with having all this talking flatware bustling about the house. They've made you dependent. You have no skills yourself. They do everything for you. 
I'll tell you what, I'll teach you how to make a chocolate cake so good, said Belle. Any woman who eats it will fall in love with you instantly. Because it contains a magic potion, asked the beast. Yes, chocolate, said Belle. It will be a chocolate cake. I said that already. Do pay attention. But chocolate isn't magic, said the beast. Ha! scoffed Belle. No wonder a fairy got the better of you if you don't know any better than that. Come on, you've got work to do. I've got to teach you how to be a virtuoso chocolate cake cook, and I've only got five days to do it. So they set to work. Belle taught the beast all the basic principles of chocolate cake making. How to beat, how to whisk, how to sift, how to stir. Every detail of the process was gone over again and again until his technique was flawless. She taught him where to get the finest ingredients and how to measure and prepare them perfectly. They worked all day and most of the night. On the fifth day, she taught him the final element of cake preparation, the baking. He learned how to preheat the oven and stand very still, not even breathing heavily, so that the delicious chocolate sponge would raise perfectly. Then, when this perfect cake had cooled, she taught him how to ice it by pouring three litres of molten chocolate over the top. It was ready just as the clock struck midnight. It's Tuesday, said Belle. This is it, said the beast. This is the day I must find a woman and convince her to love me. You'll do it, said Belle. With this cake, you cannot fail. Thank you, said the beast, for everything you've taught me. And he really meant it. As a royal prince, he'd never had to learn anything. Everything had always been done for him by his magical pots and pans and furniture. This was the first time anyone had shown him the joy of learning, which had shown him how to take control of his own destiny. And he was truly grateful. As a gesture of thanks, he took Belle's trotter and raised it to his lips and kissed it. Oh, gross, said Belle. Let's have none of that then. If you want to thank me, let's just share a bite of this cake before you cut it up and take it down to the town to find a girl to woo with it. I'd like that, said the beast. He cut one slice, handed Belle a spoon, and picked up a spoon himself. They both scooped up a portion, raised it in a sort of cakey toast, and took a bite. And as soon as that cake touched Belle's tongue, and her saliva caused the enzymes in her spit to start breaking it down so that the taste receptors in her mouth could sense its flavour, it happened. She got food poisoning, guessed Boris. He had a dread fear of food poisoning himself. He'd once had a nasty stomachache after eating a three-month-old honey sandwich he'd found down the back of the couch. No, she fell in love, said Nanny Piggins, both with the cake and the man who had made it. And by man, I mean man, because as soon as she fell in love, he transformed back into a royal prince. By teaching the beast to cook chocolate cake, she had transformed him into the perfect pig. I thought you said he was a handsome prince, said Samantha. I did, said Nanny Piggins. He was Prince Pigsy of the kingdom Swinealot. Devastatingly handsome, black and white colouring, and really sound hindquarters. They were married before the end of the day, said Nanny Piggins. It was a small ceremony. The crockery was the only congregation, but they did have the most spectacularly tasty wedding cake ever. The end. Time for bed.
Thank you for listening to support this podcast just by a book by me, R.A. Spratt. There's plenty to choose from from across the Friday Barnes, Nanny Piggins and Pesky Kids series. And now there are the audiobooks of The Adventures of Nanny Piggins and Friday Barnes Girl Detective as well. You can order any of these things through your local bookstore or go to my website, raspratt.com, and click on the Book Depository banner. They have all my titles and free international shipping. That's it for now. Until next time, goodbye.